0: A special thanks goes out to the folks at Anchor.fm for bringing you this podcast. Coming to you almost live, it's time once again for Tom Reads Your Story, the podcast that reads from your social media posts, online articles, and sometimes a surprise or two. So let's start the show. I'm your host, voice actor, and podcaster, Tom Zania. Hello, and welcome, everyone, to Tom Reads Your Story. I'm Tom Zania, as you always know, and you have known for a while. Welcome to Tom Reads Your Story. You are in for a treat today. We have a writer whom I know who will present us with three stories, three short stories. And I'll be right back after this. Do you need a good professional sound for your podcast? I'm Tom Zania, voice actor and podcast host of Tom Reads Your Story. I can give you the sound you're looking for for your podcast intros and advertisements at the price and turnaround you need. So don't hesitate and send me a message at TomReadYourStory at Yahoo.com. Jeff Corey was a great Hollywood character man who became blacklisted in 1951. In the book Improvising Out Loud, My Life Teaching Hollywood How to Act, Corey recounts his extraordinary story. Among the actors who would soon fill his classes were James Dean, Kirk Douglas, Jane Fonda, Rob Reiner, Jack Nicholson, and Leonard Nimoy. In 1962, when the blacklist ended, Corey was one of the industry's first trailblazers to seamlessly reboot his acting career and secure roles in some of the classic films of the era, including Butch Cassidy and The Sundance Kid, True Grit, and Little Big Man, in which he starred as the infamous Wild Bill Hickok. His memoir, which he wrote with his daughter Emily Corey, provides a unique and personal perspective on the man whose teaching inspired some of Hollywood's biggest names to star in the roles that made them famous. Improvising Out Loud, My Life Teaching Hollywood How to Act, written by Jeff Corey with Emily Corey. Listen to this incredible book by visiting audible.com. And we are back. Welcome back, everyone. If you are a regular listener, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming around every week or so. If you're a new listener, you know what? You are welcome here. We are glad you're here because we're always looking for new friends. And you're going to love it. I think you're going to love it. I think you're going to really sit back and listen to what we have to say, and listen to the the people. With, uh, you know what? Uh, for example, last week we honored Stephen Sondheim. Stephen Sondheim. For those of you who are not in musical theater or know anything about the theater, Stephen Sondheim was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant composer, lyricist that we had for many years who wrote some of the most fantastic shows ever period. West side story, which by the way, opens in a film of the same name, (laughs) West side story, the 2021 I don't want to say remake because it's basically a a film with the, the, the based on the Broadway show the, the the film in 1961 was changed somewhat there were some changes in uh the film version that came out in 1961 that We're not in the Broadway show and what Steven Spielberg has done, uh, with this 2021 version of the show is to stay true to the material from the Broadway production. And I can't wait to see it. It's coming out the 10th, December 10th, which, which is, let's see what's today. Today is the seventh. This podcast will be released in the morning of the eighth, and just a few days after that, uh, West Side Story will be out. Getting back to Stephen Sondheim, Stephen Sondheim, and I'm uh, you know I'm not doing the whole episode over again, but he was our bridge to the golden years of Broadway. He was that. His mentor was Oscar Hammerstein. Okay, we're not going to get anything like that again. And his shows were great. Um, Let's see. I was in four of them. But anyway, getting back to what I was saying. Wednesday. Wednesday. Wednesday evening, 6.30 p.m. And this is for you, especially for you tourists who are coming into town who might not be familiar with who Stephen Sondheim is. I don't know how you would not know this if you're going to see a Broadway show. But the lights of Broadway, Times Square, will go dark at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Now, uh, it's not World War II. It is a way to honor probably the greatest or one of the greatest composers who ever lived. And you will, uh, if you're in the neighborhood at the time, for one minute at 630, um, the lights will go dark. Now, there might be a few lights on, (laughs) <laughs> but I think I think you're going to experience total darkness, but anyway, that is happening um, in a couple of days. So today we have a gentleman by the name of George Petnich. George and I work together at a hotel in Midtown Manhattan. I'm not going to say the name of the hotel because I don't give free advertising. So he works the desk. I'm a bellman. Now, George is, as a man of some experience, uh, he's, he was in an eighties rock band for a while. And then he got into writing and he writes, Uh, short stories now, and and, uh, possibly uh, other types of communications, PSAs. What I'm going to do is I'm going to play three of his best, and you'll be able to hear them. They are on YouTube if you ever want to hear them. Or, uh, yeah, if you want to hear them again. But they are also on this podcast. So, uh, what I'm going to do first of all is play you a very short little interview of um, me speaking to George. And that will go right into the first story, which is called Hands of Fate. George, I might add, does sort of,
1: you know, maybe
0: a little scary stuff here and there, a little weird, a little Twilight Zone-ish kinds of things. And I think you'll like it. Let's begin. First, the interview, and we'll go right into the story. So we're we're here uh, at work right now uh, with author George Petnich, George, thanks very much for being on Tom Reager's Story.
2: You're welcome, Tom. Uh, I guess the first question
0: I want to ask is, when did you start writing
2: and why? Well, I played in a rock group in the early 80s called The Go. I wasn't the main writer. The main writers were Tom, Kenny, and Joe. I started writing a song here and there, and then after the breakup, I started writing more and more. And then I started writing stories because I'm a big fan of The Twilight Zone and Alfred Hitchcock Presents.
0: As, as in uh, I am and many other people are. Uh, how long did it take you after you started writing to get into short stories? Was that a while or did that come very quickly?
2: Well, I started writing short stories right away. Um, and it took me about uh, 10 years to start writing them after the breakup of The Go. And I've been writing them ever since. Wow. Do
0: you ever envision yourself writing the great American novel? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. So if, if you write uh, Twilight Zone-type stuff... Do you think uh, someday you're going to go dry on that, or do you you think you you have the imagination necessary to keep it going?
2: I think I have the imagination to keep it going. I'm always coming up with new ideas, and the short stories just keep coming up.
0: Well, that's good to hear. George, thanks very much uh, for joining us at Tom Reads Your Story. Have a good day. We'll see you.
2: You're welcome, Tom, and thanks for having me on your show.
0: Hands of Fate, by George Petnich, performed by Tom Zania. Salem, Massachusetts is known for its witchcraft. Magic generated power on the outskirts of town. For he or she, secured with a taste of the outer world, were looked upon as evil and expelled from the everyday life of society. Tourists would come to Salem seeking excitement and trivia for a glimpse and feel of this imaginary world. Museums surfaced all around town. The barn was a taste of the 1600s, equipped with propelling facts of yesteryear with museum themes that raised the thoughts of heaven and hell. There were artifacts, similarities of Wax figures, famous people of witches and warlocks. Themes a museum keeps up with to the inviting public. Mr. Stanley was a common Joe from a small town in Pennsylvania. He was fascinated with witchcraft. A small-time accountant, on vacation to get away from it all. He visited the barn. One of the games and displays were hands. Some with gloves, some just bare for ten dollars. You can choose three sets of hands with gloves or bare. But once you pick a hand, there is a chance you would never come back to the real world. They called it the Hands of Fate fantasy. It's a question of dare. Mr. Stanley wanted to live out fantasies. He told the clerk, I'm going for the top prize. He looked at a pair of gloves and he tried them on and turned into Rocky Graziano, winning the world middleweight title for his first fantasy was a winner. He came back. For once you choose a fantasy, you might not come back to the real world. It was a dare of the supernatural. He said to the clerk, I'm going for fantasy number two. He looked over a display and saw a glove with diamonds and glitter. He tried it on. He turned into Michael Jackson singing Man in the Mirror in front of 50,000 screaming and applauding fans. He came back. He said to the clerk, I'm going for fantasy number three. The clerk said to Mr. Stanley, You may get stuck in a fantasy with no return. No matter what, I'm going for it. He looked around and saw a pair of hands so shiny, rough, and the veins popping out of them. He said to the clerk, they must be the hands of fate, of a strong and powerful ruler. He tried them on. He was in an interrogation room being questioned for the murder of 13 women. For Mr. Stanley turned into Albert John DeSalvo, also known as the Boston Strangler. next ones I'm going to play together uh, one will come immediately after the other uh, this is called Heartbeat and it uh, I'm not going to explain them um, after that uh, the last one is called Drifter in the Night Heartbeat Increasing Heartbeat by George Petnuch. performed by Tom Zania. Timmy, 11 years old, and Barry, eight years old, Shay, lived in the Woodlawn section of the Bronx, New York. After school, their mother would make them do their homework and then let them go and play in the neighborhood. Timmy, who was three years older than Barry, was always in charge of social gatherings with the rest of their friends. Barry was treated differently from their father, always getting the extra dollar, getting to sit up front of the car when they would go out, and always getting the bigger hug. Timmy always felt out of place, and sometimes would sit in this room for hours and not come out. But Barry and his mother would always find a way to comfort him. One day, Timmy and Barry and his friends got together and decided to play hide and seek in the Woodlawn Cemetery. Timmy was the leader, and the way they played was if Timmy found someone, they would have to leave the cemetery. Timmy, all anxious, told everyone to hide and stay in place. He said, Everyone, I'm coming. He went looking. He found Joe hiding behind a tree. Joe went home. It was April, and the sun would go down around 7.30 p.m. He found everyone, and they went home, but Barry was still out there. He was getting close to him when he heard and felt a heartbeat coming from a grave where Barry was hiding behind a headstone. He got closer. He screamed out to Barry, Let's go! He said to Barry, Do you hear a heartbeat and feel the pounding? Barry said, No. They both ran home. Timmy said to his mother and father, Something strange Happened tonight. We were playing hide and seek, and when I got close to Barry, he was hiding behind a headstone in a grave. A heartbeat was pounding, and it was getting louder. Barry said, Mom, Dad, but I didn't feel or hear it. The next day, Timmy went to school, and all he thought about was what happened the night before. Mr. Shay said to Mrs. Shay, That boy of yours has a wild imagination. Mrs. Shay said, Give him some time. He'll forget all about it. I know you favor Barry, but Timmy is ours too. When school ended, he met Barry and said, I got to find out what that was all about last night. Barry said, Mom and Dad told us not to go to the cemetery anymore, or else we're grounded. It was nighttime and the sun was going down. Timmy and Barry got close to the grave. Timmy heard the heartbeat again, and it was pounding. Timmy, do you hear it? Barry said, I don't hear it. Timmy said, My ears are ringing. Barry, what's the name on the headstone? Barry pointed his flashlight and said, Timothy Wellman Sr., Owls started to hoot, and weeds began to fly across the grave from the wind. Barry said, I'm afraid, Timmy, let's go. They went home, and Timmy ran into his room and locked the door. His mother said, Timmy, open the door at once. Timmy said, No, I'm never coming out. His father said, These supernatural thoughts are going to come to and end right now. Open the door before I take the hinges off. Timmy came out. He said, I heard and felt the heartbeat again. Mom, his name is Timothy Wellman Sr. His mother fell to the ground crying. She said, I can't keep it from you any longer. He was your real father. Timmy, crying,
1: said, what did he die from? Mrs. Shay said, A heart murmur. Drifter in the Night by George Petnuch Performed by Tom Zania
0: Ossining, New York, is a historic town which runs against the Hudson River in Westchester County. A small population of people represent the community. Known for the Sing Sing prison, many people have said ghosts have arisen from its former electric chair. Asining, with its beautiful country life and small village atmosphere and Hudson River view, is a sight for sore eyes. In Asining, everyone is neighborly and friendly with one another. The village bar has repeat customers from all over town. One night at the bar, everyone was watching sports games, playing cards, darts, and pool, when a man in his thirties came in. He went over and said to the people, is this a friendly game of cards? What are the stakes? One of the players said, $5 a hand raises up to $100. I'm in, he said. One of the card players said, it's five card poker, the card player said. Where are you from? He said, I'm a drifter. I go where the action is. The night and game went on and he kept on winning until everyone was out except for one guy. The guy said, You want to make this a do or die game? The drifter said, Deal. Raises unlimited. They kept on raising each other. The guy said to the drifter, I raise you a thousand. The drifter said, I'm in. The guy said, I have a straight. The drifter said, I know when I'm beat. Luck only lasts so long. Sorry, boy, full house. The drifter got up and took his money. The card player was cursing him out, calling him a bastard cheater. One guy said, get out of town before we round you up. The drifter got up and walked to the door and said, Another time you'll thank me, and left. All the people in the bar were watching the card game and said, Who was he? Where did he come from? Does he have a purpose? The rain was coming down, and it was 8.30 at night. Mrs. Sheehan was at home when she received a call from her son, John, who was 10 years old to pick him up at his friend Brian's house. Mrs. Sheehan went to her car. She started it up and put on her windshield wiper. The wind was gusting at 40 miles per hour. The road was hardly visible. To get to Brian's house was a long and narrow road which ran overlooking the Hudson River. She drove slow. Branches were falling in front of her, leaves hitting her windshield. She was in front of Brian's house. She called up John on her cell phone to come out. John got in the car. She turned around and proceeded to drive back home, with it raining and wind gusts now picking up to 55 miles per hour. A deer ran in front of her car. She swerved to her left, and with the dirt and road completely wet, slid off the bank of the cliff. The car began to turn over, rocking back and forth, going down the mountainside, throwing her from the car, and her John didn't escape. She was on the side of the road, fully covered in mud and drenched in rain. She could see her car, which got stuck, in between trees hanging on. She began to scream, ''My son is in the car!'' The engine was still running, the headlights on. She could see the car began shifting, the Hudson River was below. A car stopped and said, "'Are you all right?' Petrified, Mrs. Sheehan told him what happened. She said, "'My son is down there,' they called the police. The fire department and police came. With the wind and rain, mudslides were now in effect. News was all over town. Everyone rushed to the scene. No one could help. With it being dark and the wind gusts and potential mudslides. When suddenly... A man and her son, raised from the mountain, all covered in mud. Mrs. Sheehan broke down and cried. John, you're all right. Just then, the car crashing down the mountainside, turning over, bursting into flames as it hit the river until you couldn't see it no more. She said, This is the man. Thank you. Who are you? He said, a drifter in the night. She said, this is the man who saved my son. The police and mayor said job well done, and we want to thank him.
1: As they turned around, he was nowhere in sight.
0: And so those were three stories by George Petnich, and I do want to mention If you go to YouTube, you will find some videos of his there. Seekers in a Timeless World, Beyond Solitude, Rebellion Haze, and two short stories by George Petnich. Simply go to YouTube and type in the YouTube search if you want to see any of those. Oh, and there's also this song that George wrote, I believe after he was in his rock band. You'll get a real kick out of this, really.
1: It's all here for you. When winter time feels like June, all at once there's a chill in the air. When everybody's values diminish to care shopping music's rocking children singing a new beginning a deer in waiting Rockefeller skating the time is near it's all because it's Christmas Children singing, a new beginning, a deer in waiting, Rockefeller skating, the time is near, it's all because it's green.
0: Christmas in the City from author uh, George Petnich. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Tom Major's Story. Portions were pre recorded. Tell your friends if you enjoyed your visit today because we're always looking for new ones. Thanks, Anchor.fm, for the opportunity. I greatly appreciate it. Until next time.
1: Good night,
0: This is Tom Zania. For more information about my availability for your e-learning, audiobook, or commercial project, please visit www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. We hope you come back real soon for another edition of Tom Reads Your Story.